is a broadcast of the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network. Welcome to the Working Woman Radio Show, where we have real conversations about the unique issues working women face. I am your host, Deanna johnson Cawthon. Before I introduce my topic for today's podcast, I want to let my listening audience know about a new talk show that my daughter, Adriana, and I will be hosting on YouTube called Elevate. Now, we created the show because our family loves living life together, and we wanted to share some of those experiences with you in order to help you elevate and inspire and encourage you to live your best life. Um, We're going to cover topics that we feel uh, matter most to you. We're going to be talking about ways to elevate your finances, your food, your fashion, your mind, your home decor. Um, We want to bring you facts um, and fun and great information. So expect to see great interviews with local and regional people who are making a difference in the community. There are going to be product reviews. There's going to be chit-chat about celebrities and other trending topics. Um, And we're also going to be traveling around the metro Atlanta area and beyond, taking pictures, doing some fun film segments about local culture, and we're going to bring that to you. We're going to share that with you. So the great thing about our show is that it's for everybody. It's for young and old. It's for men and women. It's great entertainment for the whole family. So our first show actually aired last Sunday, March 28th, um, and it will air um, subsequent Sundays at the same time uh, on YouTube at 6 p.m. So take a moment to go and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Elevate. I will put a link to the channel uh, on the notes for this particular episode. Uh, and please share with your friends um, and uh, become a part of our Elevate family. Okay, with that bit of business taken care of, I want to go ahead and uh, talk about the topic for today's show. As most of you know, March is Women's History Month. Um, And since today is the last day of that month, of the month of March, um, I wanted to dedicate this week's show to a topic um, uh, that has to do with women's history. Now, when I think of women in history, who have influenced me, many women come to mind. I think about women like Harriet Tubman, uh, who was a former slave and underground railroad conductor, and Sojourner Truth, the American abolitionist and women's rights activist. I think about Coretta Scott King and Mamie Till Mobley, the mother of 14-year-old Emmett Till, who was brutally murdered by two white men. I think about Oprah Winfrey, the media mogul. Um, I think about Michelle Obama, the wife of Barack Obama, our first African-American president. I even think about women like Lucille Ball and Carol Burnett, who I loved and followed as a child and uh, even as an adult. I think they are two amazing women of comedy and they have helped to, uh, to shape my sense of humor. But if I have to think about one woman, one person who has shaped history for me the most, it would be my mother, Joanna Johnson Stiles. And I want to take this time to share her story with you in a piece that I wrote um, a couple of years ago, maybe not quite, uh, a piece called A Portrait 
of an African-American matriarch. So this show is dedicated to that. So take a listen. Anyone who is privileged to spend time with my mother will find a woman who has been seasoned by time and God's grace. Her lovely caramel colored face lined with soft wrinkles is framed by mostly gray hair. And if you look closely, you will still see a bit of mischief in her brown eyes. Although small in stature at just five feet tall, do not let her size fool you. There is still a lot of power packed into that petite body. At 83 years old, she works full time as an assistant teacher at a local elementary school. And every Thanksgiving, she manages to find the strength to cook and host the annual holiday meal. But life for African-American women like my mother, even in the 20th century, was excruciatingly difficult. Systemic racism oppressed every aspect of their lives, and the severe economic inequities it caused made it nearly impossible for most families of color to rise above the status quo. Despite the hardships, women like my mother have always risen to the occasion. For centuries, these matriarchs have long been the backbone of their families. Unfortunately, their ingenuity, sacrifice, and perseverance, which have been a key factor in securing the success of future generations, have been overlooked. And because of this, I feel compelled to share the experiences that my mother endured in order to become the extraordinary African-American matriarch that she is today. Surviving the Odds. My mother Joanna and her identical twin sister Diana, who we called Auntie, was born in New York City into a life of poverty and brokenness. Their mother was an alcoholic and a woman of the streets, and their biological father was unknown to them until many years later. Life in a big city can be hard and unforgiving, and it can be particularly harsh for two little black girls with no parents to provide for them. She and Auntie struggled daily just to survive. They sometimes lived in the squalor of abandoned buildings and ate whatever they could. They were in and out of foster care or bounced around between relatives, and they didn't even start school until they were nine years old. Mama once told me that growing up without family was like being a stray animal, unwanted, alone, and forced to fend for itself. The more she talked about her circumstances, the more I realized that the feelings she described was something much more painful than poverty. It was a deep sense of shame and worthlessness that comes when there's no one to love you. Although she started school late, Mama was smart and eager to learn and made excellent grades. Having a particular aptitude for math and science, Mama set her sights on becoming a nurse. Her hard work secured her the second highest grade point average of her high school graduating class. Mama started working as a nurse's aide at a nearby hospital after graduation and applied to a local college only to be told that her grades were not good enough. With no one to advocate for her, she gave up her plans for nursing. Disappointed but not defeated, my mother began to get a new vision of what she wanted for her future. She wanted a family, a husband, and a home full of children, so she sets her dreams on getting married, a family of her own. 
A few years after high school, Mama got sick and had to be admitted into the hospital. While she was there, she met my father. Although he was 16 years her senior, she was smitten by him, and after a short courtship, they married. Not long after she and Daddy wed, my two oldest brothers were born. The family lived in a two-bedroom apartment in Brooklyn, but Mama felt it was no longer adequate for them. After talking to my father, they decided that it was time to purchase a house in the suburbs. To help with the down payment, Mama cleaned the brownstone houses of Jewish families. She and Daddy scrimped and saved until they had enough money to purchase a house in Queens. Shortly after moving to Queens, I was born, and my sister came two years later. When I was a little girl, my mother would occasionally tell me stories about the Jewish families whose houses she used to clean. She talked about their children and their work and their places of worship with great admiration and respect. Mama believed that this was the way a family should look, and she did everything to model our family after them. As a result, we had a weird mixture of cultures in our home. Although we were obviously African Americans, we grew up eating bagels and cream cheese along with matzah bread and latkes and chicken soup. Mama taught us Jewish folk songs and read to us from the Old Testament, and she told us we must never, ever mistreat a Jew or we would not be blessed. We even celebrated some of the Jewish holidays. I vaguely remember there being a menorah in the house somewhere. By the time I started kindergarten, I was thoroughly convinced that I was Jewish, and I told my teacher so. One day, my teacher pulled me aside and tenderly told me that I was not Jewish, but I was an African-American little girl. After school, I ran home and I told my mama what the teacher said. Embarrassed, my mother just looked at me and smiled. Training her children. My siblings and I secretly named my mother the drill surgeon because she was an intense disciplinarian. As a child, I can honestly say that I was definitely more afraid of mama than I was of God. You see, God, at least then, was this nebulous being somewhere out there. But mama could get in your face, and it was scary. There was a certain fiery look she would get in her eyes, and when she had it, God and nobody else was going to be able to help you. My mother believed that an idle mind is the devil's workshop, and she was determined that we would not be idle. So from the moment we woke up, she had a full day planned for us. If it was a school day, we would get dressed and eat breakfast and head to our respective school buildings. After school, we were expected to come straight home and do our homework, followed by our chores. Only after everything was done could we go outside and play. Our weekends were usually spent preparing for the upcoming week. This meant doing laundry, shopping for groceries, or visiting a department store to purchase some new clothes or shoes. Saturdays were also spent pulling weeds in the yard, a chore we all hated. Watching television during the day when my mother and father were not at home was strictly forbidden. We had one small black and white television, which mama referred to as the boob tube. It resided in our parents' bedroom and only, we were only allowed to watch TV for an hour in the evening and that was after they got home. Well, one day, one of my brothers decided to disobey Mama, and we started watching TV after school. There were four of us, so each sibling took a turn standing guard at a nearby window. When Mama was spotted coming down the street, 
the lookout would alert the others to quickly turn off the television. This worked for a while until Mama found out. I don't know whether my mother got a word from the Lord or if she just touched the television set and felt the heat from the vacuum tube, but one day she called us into her room. And when I saw that look in her eyes, I knew we were busted. And I mean that literally because Mama tried her best to whip the hell right out of us. And when she finished, she took the TV, she threw it in the trunk of her car, and she carried it with her to work every day from then on. A spiritual beacon. Going to church also played a major role in our development. Mama and Daddy made sure that we were there every Sunday. Beyond the spiritual, it was a vehicle that my mother used to develop and hone our gifts and talents. On any given Sunday, you can find my oldest brother Richard singing in the choir, my younger brother Nathaniel playing the piano, organ, or the bass guitar, and me and my little sister singing a solo or giving a recitation. Mama continued our spiritual training by doing Bible study at home. She also invited children in the community to join us because Mama was not satisfied with just saving our souls. She wanted to save the souls of all the children in the neighborhood. Determined that her children were going to be well-cultured human beings, Mama had us involved in a variety of activities. Our weekly regimen included piano lessons with Mrs. Tannenbaum and trips to the local library. We also visited various museums, and every Christmas season, we went to Lincoln Center to hear Handel's Messiah sung by the Metropolitan Opera. Because there wasn't much money, every activity that we participated in meant that there was something Mama couldn't buy for herself. But she considered all these things an investment in our future and was content to make the sacrifice. Starting over again. In the spring of 1979, my father got very sick. Daddy didn't like going to the doctor, so when he asked Mama to take him to the clinic, I knew things were really bad. Shortly after the doctor's visit, Daddy was admitted to the hospital, and six weeks later, he died of pancreatic cancer. He was only 57 years old. I was too young to understand, but it must have been difficult for my mother to be widowed at such an early age. She was only 42. As a single parent, she now bore the responsibility of caring for a family all alone. And as an attractive younger woman, she missed the love and companionship of a husband. Three years after Daddy passed, my mother started dating a man who had recently joined the church. Joseph was a talented executive chef, and although I believe my mother was genuinely attracted to him, she was also a practical woman, and she knew she needed help. Working long hours at the library to pay the bills and keep food on the table had Mama pretty near exhausted. She had hoped that getting married could relieve some of the financial burdens. She also wanted to give my younger sister and I the father figure we, she felt we needed, so she and Joseph married a short time later. Despite my mother's best intentions, things didn't go exactly as planned. My stepfather had a difficult time securing a new position as an executive chef. Although he had lots of experience, as an older unemployed black man, businesses were hesitant to hire him. This meant Mama still bore the burden of being the primary breadwinner. In addition to this, my siblings and I were still grieving the loss of my father and resented the idea of a replacement daddy. 
I actually ran away from home during this time, which only made a bad situation worse. All of this put my mama in a difficult position. She had a new husband who expected her attention and love and loyalty and angry kids who demanded the same. In the end, Mama resorted to playing the role of the family referee. She presided over the disagreements and arguments between us and our stepfather and did her best to make sure that everyone fought fairly. Moving down south. When Auntie announced that her job would be moving her to Atlanta, we all knew that it was just a matter of time before Mama would want to go south as well because Mama and Auntie were inseparable. Soon after Auntie and Uncle Ed moved, Mama put the house on the market and it sold quickly. She made enough money from the sale to be able to give my brothers, sister, and me a few thousand dollars each and she used the rest of the money to finance a new restaurant business in Atlanta with my stepfather. The restaurant business venture lasted several years but the long hours and the back-breaking work eventually became too much and my mother and my stepfather closed it. But Mama has the unique ability of being able to reinvent herself to meet the needs of whatever current situation she's in. So she applied for a position with the local school system, and at the age of 65, she started a new career as an assistant teacher. A lifetime of good works. Over the next five years, Mama would suffer the loss of her twin sister, her brother-in-law, and her second husband, Joseph, but through it all, she remained steadfast. Mama has often said she never imagined that she would live as long as she has, but at 83 years old, she now finds herself the matriarch of four generations. And as the family's matriarch, she has generously poured her time and energy and money into the lives of her children, her grandchildren, and her great-grandchildren. Because of her difficult childhood, my mother sometimes struggles with recognizing and acknowledging her own accomplishments, but her achievements are vast, and she is a woman of great worth. Proverbs 31 speaks about such a woman. And if I were to paraphrase verses 10 through 31 with my mother in mind, it would sound something like this. Joanna Johnson Stiles is a woman of noble character, and her worth is far more than rubies. Her husband had full confidence in her and he lacked nothing of valuable. He brought, she brought him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She regularly shopped in the stores and selected quality clothing for her family with care and willingly worked with her hands. She got up in the early morning hours and prepared food for our family. She considered properties and brought them, and out of the money that she earned, she planted a garden for our family. She was a hard worker, and her arms were strong because of the many tasks that she performed. She opened the doors of our home to the poor and generously gave whatever she could to the needy families in the neighborhood. And whenever it snowed, which was often since we lived in New York, she didn't have to worry because we were always dressed in the best wool coats. She watched over the affairs of our household and was never idle. She is clothed with strength and dignity, and she can laugh with confidence at the days to come. She speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue, and I honor her for all that her hands have done. My mother not only transcended her own history, but 
Her countless sacrifices and selfless acts of service changed the course of history for our entire family. Heroic and ambitious, she has laid a firm foundation and given us the tools for success. Her faith, her focus, and her fearlessness make her a beautiful portrait of an African-American matriarch. So ladies, even as we recognize the many, many great women in history, let us not forget to recognize the women who have poured into us the most. Women like my mother, women like your mothers uh, and your aunties. Um, sometimes we forget those women and we want to make sure that we include those women uh, as great women in history. Well, our time together is just about up, but I want to take a moment to thank all of you who take time to listen to the Working Woman Radio show, podcast. I don't take that for granted. I am honored that you would take time out of your schedule to listen to me. I appreciate each and every listener. And if you haven't done so already, I want to encourage you to subscribe and download episodes of the show by going to www.theworkingwomanradiopodcast.com. You can also find us by visiting the Ultimate Christian Podcast Network and clicking on the Working Woman Radio show page. For more information about upcoming podcasts and Working Woman Radio Show events, you can go to the Working Woman Radio Show Facebook page. Become a friend. Share your comments. Ask your questions. We really do want to hear from you. Well, our time is up, but God bless, and we will see you next time.